Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No you are listening to the Next Best Picture podcast, and these are Daniel Howitt's interviews with the star for One Night in Miami, Kingsley Benadire, and the cinematographer. Tammy Riker. You brothers, you could move mountains without lifting a finger. Minister Malcolm X. Good news, the chariot is coming. Who's the greatest? That's right. Jim Brown takes the ball. Your record is going to stand the test of time. All together, yeah. The entire city of Miami is celebrating. I'm the new heavyweight champion of the world, and I don't even have a scratch on my face. Oh my goodness. Cash. Cash. Why am I so pretty? <laughs> hey, Kingsley, how are you doing? Hi, uh, Daniel. I'm doing pretty good, man. How are you? I am great. Thanks so much for taking time to talk with me about One Night in Miami. My pleasure, bro. My pleasure. Well, first of all, I just want to say what a year you've had. Uh, you were in two of my favorite TV series of last year, High Fidelity and Love Life. Then you played Barack Obama in The Comey Rule, and now, of course, Malcolm X in One Night in Miami. So I just have to ask, man, are you are you rested? Have you had time for a good nap? Because I think you deserve one. Uh, there's a lot of down. There's a lot of time at the moment to be sort of, uh, you know, I'm spending a lot of time in my, my apartment and sitting down, so <laughs> I'm feeling pretty rested. Things are busy, but, you know. Perfect. Perfect. Well, like I said, you just played two American icons with Obama and Malcolm X. How much pressure did you feel in taking on these roles? Yeah, I felt I felt a, 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 a healthy amount of pressure for both of them. I think looking back, I remember the first, my first day on set on the Comey rule, I think was, I think I was probably one of the most racking uh, moments of being on set that I've ever had, but you know, just because I, I was coming in right at the end, and I hadn't auditioned for the part it was offered to me, mm. and Jeff and Bre- Brendan had just had like this incredible two week experience, and you know, the the crew and the director and everyone they'd all been together for you know three four months, and I was coming in right at the end, and. uh and, the, you know, Barack Obama is one of the most recognizable voices on the planet. So mm. I think I was just I was just kind of eager to just to just get moving and get the first, you know, take out, get the rehearsal down. And, you know, and then once I got into it, Jeff was Jeff was amazing and, and uh, super supportive. And, you know, we had lots of really interesting conversations about acting and the scenes and, you know, and and uh you know, shooting that with Jeff turned out to be one of the most, you know, educational, you know, weeks on set that I've ever had. It was a real honor to, you know, be in, be in his space and see him work and, you know, to watch the, 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 
the deep sense of concentration that he has and his focus and his, you know, his calmness and his authority. And, and Billy operates, Billy Ray, the director, you know, operates from such a place of, of love and authority. I've never seen those two things, you know, work hand in hand in such a beautiful way. So there was pressure going into playing Barack. And also because I was shooting both at the same time, uh, so it was really just sort of scheduling and, and mapping out how I was going to use my time in the best way possible because I was cast 12 days before, you know, one night in Miami started shooting. So I had a very short amount of time to prepare Malcolm and Obama was at the same time. So I think if any, if I was sort of nervous about anything, it was, it was, uh, you know, I, I was, there was some concerns before Christmas about whether I was going to have enough time to do either of them justice and was I going to have time to do all of the work that I needed to do. And I asked, I just, but the opportunity to play Malcolm was too, it was too special and it was mm. too big. And it, it was to work with Regina. I mean, it was just a one-off chance, you know, these kind of auditions and stuff, they don't come around. So I was like, you know, you just got to make this work. And then I, I, you make it work and do the best you can. And I think, thankfully, because I didn't have any time to think, <laughs> I didn't have any time. I, I, had, I just had to get on with the work. It kind of worked in my favor, really, and turned out to be a blessing because I just went into this, you know, sort of real, I had this real sort of feeling of, I was in overdrive and I was, it was just this really intense bubble of, of concentration and preparation that I had to stay in, you know, for 10 weeks uh, and or eight weeks or however long it was that we shot both of them. And, um, and it was really intense and I enjoyed it so much. I really learned that like, that's the way that I think, that's the way that I really want to work. And that's like moving forwards is with that level, intent, that level of intensity and with, you know, such, you know, rich and complicated characters. I mean, Malcolm in a completely different way. Like Obama was a, was a very, was a contained small part in a show that was about, you know, Jeff's journey as, uh, as Comey, but Malcolm was, such a huge opportunity in the sense mm. that the emotional the emotional undercurrent you know the vulnerability not just of Malcolm of all the men was really at the center of this this story and uh and and trying to you know matching what was going on for Malcolm at this time to you know Kemp's writing was really mind blowing because it was like the more i studied the more i sort of learnt about the changes that were happening for Malcolm at this time, the more the emotional charge of the words mm. just became clearer and clearer and clearer. It was like Malcolm was in a real, real spot of danger in this moment. And uh, his his relationship with the nation, that twelve year relationship and bond with his father figure and mentor Elijah Muhammad was was just at the end. And uh and there yeah, there was something wonderful about that um something wonderful about the opportunity of showing these men 
this really private conversation, you know, to get to sort of share that publicly and explore, you know, the conversation in this piece was such a joy. Yeah, I, the the movie is really, you know, wall-to-wall dialogue. How how did you prepare for that? And, and how strict did you have to be on the words? Was there room for making it your own or did you really stick to stick to the script uh no i stuck to the script pretty much word for word i think that there may be a couple of scenes where i'd give kemp a call and just ask him if i can add a add a word here or add a word there but not 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 um maybe only once or twice Mm. i think but no it was about trying to get the language this Malcolm has so many lines that you know when as soon as Regina cast me I sort of made a decision to I wanted to turn up on the first day and know know the 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 movie like a play I wanted to know yeah. it off by heart I wanted to be able to jump in and out I wanted to be able to see any film and I wanted to be able to film any scene on any day at any time with anyone because I thought if I can get to that place in my preparation, then when I come in, we're really, we'll really be in a place where we can play and investigate and discover and get into the nitty gritty and the fun part of, of, of acting and process and uh, just waste a lot of time on set. People, you know, learning like, like I wanted to get all of that done so we mm. could come in and we could dance, you know, and we could, we could, we could, we could explore and discover. And, and so over that Christmas period, I, I hired a, you know, a young guy who was a friend of a friend who had graduated from drama school a year or two ago and, you know, was in between jobs and just, you know, gigging and auditioning and stuff. And so I said, you know, I ain't got much money, but I've, you know, I can give you like 70, 80 pounds a day if you come around and, and help me with, with learning this thing and just, just, and just generally in the, you know, the investigating of Malcolm. So Andy, he, he became a huge part of trying to get this character prepared in 12 days. Mm. And he was reading so much for me and sharing lots of brilliant information. We'd have lunch, what he'd have lunch. I wouldn't be eating very much because I had to lose, you know, the weight. And, and, uh, and yeah, we just, we went on this 12 day, Malcolm binge and uh and then I flew to New Orleans and I guess what I did was I just kept listening to him and watching him and listening and watching and listening and watching and you know I ran those scenes hundreds of times so when I came in it was just about play and and uh and trying to sort of nail the the dialect and the essence it was really important as well like I didn't obviously you never want to do impersonations or caricatures sort of waste of everyone's time but mm. there was the final layer you know once the weight and the costume and the hair and the glasses and the lines were all kind of set I, you know there's the, the the fun part the color and in part was just exploring you know the ticks and the gestures and the nuances of malcolm and they're really interesting details that you just want to put a little flavor of them in here and there just the way he moved his hands you know just the way he was very sort of light in the way that he moved through space there's a kind of gangliness about him and uh and just in his speech patterns and his rhythms you just want to give little hints of of those flavors and then and then i think the rest is really you it has to be you know malcolm through me 
rather than me trying to pretend to be Malcolm. Hmm. Yeah, and what was it like working with Regina King, obviously in her feature directorial debut? She She's really the reason why we were able to achieve some of the more some of the most tender moments in the film and some of the you know the more emotionally charged moments in the film those discoveries only happened because of as a result of the atmosphere that Regina created for us to work in and uh without feeling that safety and that that calmness and that kind of freedom I don't think we would have really been in the flow for so many of the happy accidents that happened, like mm. the, you know, the the most the emotion that that Aldis and I were able to find around that table. You know, that was thanks to Regina and the way she set it up. You know, the you know the argument between Malcolm and Sam and all of the levels of that were because Regina encouraged us to to crank it up and then pull it back, and then so she could she could cut it in a certain way that. You know, it was really, really thanks to her that we were able to have such a fulfilling acting experience. And she, I've never been on set where, you know, I've been allowed to just think about performance and character in such a consistent way. And, you know, sets and, you know, making films and TV can be really technical, noisy places. But Regina just she gets it, she gets processed and she gets acting, you know, like she knows, she knew exactly what buttons to push. She knew, she knows what you need. She doesn't bombard you. A lot of directors who don't understand acting will give you too much information that you can't do anything with. And I think Regina knows that. So it's just finding really intelligent, creative ways to just, give you a little bit of, you know, a little bit of information. So you just, she sends you off in a different direction. Does that make any sense? Like, it's yeah. like you know, I remember at drama school, you know, you can't take art, you can't take six notes out with you, you know, for one scene. If you can only, you have to change the thought, you know what I mean? You have to change the, the energy or shift the emotional preparation and Regina knows that. So the language in the, the communication was just so wonderful. You were never kind of having to translate or make sense of something that didn't feel like it made any sense. It was very fluid in that, in that way. That's amazing. And then I guess to see the cut and to see what she did and the stamp that she put on it and the flow and the music and the grading and the edit, yeah, yeah, it's it's incredible, and, and all that work, you can totally see, totally pay off. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandslots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today. At LuckyLandslots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. This is Krista Makes, guitarist and vocalist for Less Than Jake, and host of Krista Makes a Podcast, a songwriting podcast where every week I'm joined by an amazing guest 
to break down the writing, recording, and release of one iconic song from their career. In our giant, evergreen back catalog of episodes, we've had rock legends such as Dee Snyder and Huey Lewis, punk rock favorites like Mark Hoppus, Fat Mike, and Brett Gurowitz, and up-and-coming artists of today such as Liz Stokes of The Beths and Genesis Owusu. We've had guests from all genres and styles of music, and I guarantee that if you peruse our back catalog, you'll see several episodes that'll make you say, man, I gotta hear that. Whether you're a fan of music or a creator of music yourself, you'll take away a whole new appreciation for the songs you know and love. Chris Makes a Podcast is available for free on all the places you could possibly listen to podcasts, and new episodes come out every Monday. Uh, I really appreciate your time, and, and congrats on winning a Gotham Award last night. Um, that's so deserved. Uh, and, hey, yeah. and, you know, you're right in the middle of, of this, this award season thing, doing tons of interviews like this. Uh, is it, is it fun? Is it weird? Is it exciting? Like, what's it, what's it like going through all this whole award season thing? Hey, that's just last night. I was so thrown. I, I, I remember when the nomination came through, you know, a month or so ago, and I was so touched just to be, you know, involved or thought of, and the nomination really felt like a win. And I just had put it right at the back of my mind and was just getting ready to enjoy the night. And, you know, I was going to put some music on and have some champagne and just sort of watch what I was waiting for someone else's name to be. So when it, when they said my name, I was completely unprepared. And then because of the technical things, (laughs) there were like 15 people screaming in my ear from different convos. But, um, uh, yeah, just really flattered and, and, uh, it's nice. And, you know, just, it's really, it's really, uh, it's really cool to be connected to Regina in this moment when she's making history and I hope continues to make history as we move through the next few months. And, uh, and you know, and, and the more eyes we can get on this movie, the better as far as I'm concerned. So as, as much as I can sort of be a part of it and be, you know, helpful and, and share, you know, my experience of, 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 preparing Malcolm and filming him and working with Regina and you know I'm down you know it's all it's all uh, I guess a uh, it's all a joy to be a part of it you know like absolutely well uh I definitely want more people to see the movie it's it's phenomenal and you are phenomenal in it so uh thank you so much for taking time to talk with me today thank you bro this movement that we are in is called a struggle because we are fighting for our lives this ain't about civil rights. They ain't giving black people what they really want. What's that? Hey, I was made in America. That's why I'm out here saving America. Power. Black power. I like the sound of that. Uh, I wish I lived in America. We have to be there for each other. Uh, heard everybody rich. All I gotta do is run, jump, kick. I'm a kid in your area. Uh, I'd have made it to America. Uh, well, Tammy, thank you so much for uh, for talking with me today about One Night in Miami. Sure. So I'd just love to hear how you came to the project. Were you were you aware of the stage play beforehand? No, I wasn't. Um, I came to the project. Regina and her producers reached out to my agent, and so my agent sent me the script. I read it. I just loved it. I had a meeting with you know. I made a lookbook. 
spent yeah. a lot of time on that and uh, met with Regina. That's awesome. Maybe. Tell me, tell me about the lookbook that you prepped for this film. What were some, you know, inspirations for the look or, or kind of the things that you pitched as you guys talked about shooting the project? Well, uh, the, you know, I pulled a lot of street photographers, uh, like Gary Winograd and uh, Saul Leader. There was so much incredible reference photos from this time period. And, you know, like the goat book for uh, Muhammad Ali and the mm. fight. But I really dove deep into my feeling about the vibrant, rich colors. Yeah. So that was definitely the warmth and... Uh, just a really rich, saturated film. Yeah, I mean that's that's absolutely what I was going to ask about. That's that's one of the most striking things about the cinematography here is how rich the color palette is, and it really evokes the the time period. So, how did you approach uh, achieving that look? So then, uh, once I was on the project, we went down to uh, Regina and I, you know, talked a lot about you know sharing references and colors, and we went down and. Um, the production designer, Barry, lived in New Orleans. So in our first meeting, we just, it was really an exciting meeting. And we, he was completely on the same page. And he kept referencing this painter, Jacob Lawrence, who from that time period and his, the colors were so rich and vibrant. And so we were all really on that same page about what we wanted this to feel like. And and the really vibrant blues and greens mm -hmm. and the warm tones for the hotel room. And then Francine was on board. And so the four of us would meet a lot discussing, there was a lot of discussions about the color palette and sharing with each other, you know, uh, wallpapers and bedspreads and those incredible shark skin suits that Francine made. Mm. And, and so much of this material is set in just those one or two, you know, locations largely. Um, as a DP, is that is that daunting to 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 film something in in such a small location or a few locations, or is that exciting? It was daunting. That was definitely the biggest challenge yeah. of the film. You know, when you're reading it, and it's not just one location; it's like ten and fifteen pages of wall to wall dialogue. Right, right. So that. Um, that was always the biggest challenge. And we knew we wanted to keep the camera floating and fluid. And I approached Regina with this idea about using two jib arms, even though it's a very small space, we had two 12 foot jib arms mm. poking through the windows, the doors, you know, in the space so that we could float from character to character. But we decided to do, you know, when you see the film, you like, how do you break up a scene like that? So we would shoot 10, 12 minute masters which was challenging for everybody, but <laughs> yeah. it really worked. And then we, you know, find our coverage after that and still shoot it the entire scene, but float from character to character. What were, what were some of the most challenging things to, to shoot on this project? It was definitely the hotel room was definitely the most challenge because we wanted to, you know, Regina did and I did to give the actors the freedom to move in that room. Uh, so in, in, in a 10 minute scene or the roof where it was like 15 pages mm -hmm. of wall to wall dialogue, <laughs> yeah. giving him the, that was a very challenging few nights because the fog rolled in. We mm -hmm. wanted to shoot outside. We did not want, you know, we both knew we did not, this was not the movie to have blue screen or green screen yeah. for that roof scene. So we created that 
roof and the weather was crazy in New Orleans and the fog would start rolling in. (laughs) (laughs) We were very lucky though. Some nights it was like 30 degrees and then like our night was like the fog rolled in and it was like 65 degrees. It was so bizarrely Miami balmy. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And and tell me about the collaboration with Regina King. Uh, obviously, it's her first uh, directorial feature. Um, what was it like working with her on this project? Oh, Regina's fantastic. You know, she's she's definitely an actor's director, and that right. She's clear. She had a you know she had a vision of what she wanted this film to be and look like, and she's a great collaborator. And so, you know that that part was really fantastic with Barry and Francine, this constant collaboration and the four of us working together. Most biopics uh, are are you, you're you're filming one icon, you're telling the story of of one amazing person, and here you got these four incredible icons that you're filming. So I would just love to hear more about your experience on the film and what it was like to to tell this story, um, and to 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 tell the story of four men who have had such an impact uh on the the 20th century it that part was well to see the you know personally like to see the actor's transformation was incredible you know from the first time meeting them when we're doing the hair and makeup and wig and prosthetic test and then i mean kingsley watching his transformation Mm -hmm. was incredible he he works all of them work so hard but hit like to see his dedication and it just brought everyone's game up to the next level. It was, the crew was just in awe of him. And to watch his performances, there would just be dead silence afterwards. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that was amazing. So often with stage plays, there's, there's the conversation of how do, you, how do you make it not feel like an adaptation of a stage play? How do you make it feel filmic and things like that? So, so I know, we, you, you know you've already talked about uh, the challenge of shooting in the hotel room, but how did you approach the the filming of these scenes to make sure that they didn't feel just like you were capturing a stage play that you were actually making it dynamic because you well, definitely did I want to be clear it definitely yeah, did it not was, feel that way <laughs> what we definitely you know we allowed ourselves by by shooting these 10 minute masters then we would run back to each other you know she I was at the DIT tent Regina's at her monitor and then we because we really wanted to create this feeling where the camera would float to the next character, even if that character, one person was talking, you know, so that you would get reactions. It wouldn't be cut, 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 mm-hmm. you know? And that was definitely a big challenge. And had we had more time, you always want more time. <laughs> right. Um, but that definitely, we would run back to each other and be like, you know, I see a spot or did you see that moment? We could float from there, you know? So then the next take or when we went in tighter, we would, uh, we would use that choreography, you know, to, because what we didn't want to do is force the actors to be like, you have to hit the bed at this line. You got to, you know, walk to the bathroom exactly here. So those jib arms really allowed, they were operated. They weren't, they weren't on hot heads. They were operated by the operators and they were, we were all on headsets. So I could be talking to them the whole time, you know, telling them to get ready to, to go over there or drift down. We just wanted the camera to be more fluid. Yeah. Which I feel like we captured. You can feel the fluidness. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. 
Uh, well, outside the hotel room, there one of the one of the most striking shots was the recreation of the famous Muhammad Ali uh, underwater uh, photograph. Tell me about tell me about recapturing that that moment. Well, that was one of the really exciting things about this film. We we just fell in love with so many of these images, real images, and and recreating them and the pool, the diner. Um, the Sam on Johnny Carson, you know, we yeah. would study these photographs and recreate the set and recreate, you know, I mean, one of the challenges with the pool was, you know, it was pretty cold in New Orleans in February. <laughs> <Sure>. so <laughs> we had to find one deep enough that looked old enough that we didn't see the steam that we didn't. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I love your work on this film um, and, and I'm so excited to see more from you. Are there any uh, other upcoming projects that you can tell me about? I'm starting a TV pilot with Gina Prince-Bythewood, who I've worked with a lot. We yeah. did The Old Guard together and a lot in Beyond the Lights. Um, yeah, so we're heading to Mississippi in a couple weeks. Oh, awesome. Awesome. Anything you can tell us about that project? Uh, it is about Emmett Till. Oh, um, wow. Okay. But from the perspective, through the eyes of his mother. Wow. Well, I'm excited to see that, and I'm excited for more people to see One Night in Miami. Congrats on this film, and uh, thank you so much for, for taking the time to talk with me today. Thank you. Hey, everyone. Thank you so much for listening to Daniel Howitt's interviews with Kingsley Benedier and cinematographer Tammy Riker for Regina King's One Night in Miami, currently streaming on Amazon Prime Video. You have been listening to the Next Best Picture podcast. You can subscribe to us anywhere where you subscribe to podcasts. We are proud to be part of the Evergreen Podcast Network. If you're feeling generous, head on over to Apple Podcasts and rate us five stars. Leave us a comment and let us know what you think of the show. We really appreciate your feedback and your support, which you can lend on over at Patreon. For $1 minimum a month, you will get some exclusive podcast content from us. Thank you so much for listening, as always, and we shall see you all next time. Time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.